When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello, hello. I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But we are recording this on the hottest day in the history of the universe, (laughs) which is awful and terrifying for, for many reasons, and I am not good in the heat. And I am not good today. And I'm sorry about all the kind of crazy, nonsensical nonsense, rubbish that's going to come out of my mouth. The repetition, the losing track of what I was saying because I'm about to spontaneously combust. I'm also sorry for the weird buzz you can hear in the background. But I have flatly refused to turn off the fan, <laughs> which is currently up my pointing up my dress. So sorry about the noise interference. Unprofessional but necessary. I, I love the idea that we'll just like actively encourage a kind of some background noise. Hi, I'm Emily. I'm absolutely fine, but I am currently in what can only be described as the bad decision phase in my life, where I feel like I'm a permanently at a crossroads to basically like to make a choice and whatever happens, I will make the bad one. That's because you do not trust yourself at the moment. I'm like, you know, the people on like wobbly bicycles who are just sort of, un, who are just sort of inner, inexorably drawn to like crashing into the boulder. Like I cannot swerve anything. I don't know what I want to eat. I don't know what, whether I should like abandon life and go and volunteer at a library. Should I try and park here? I mean, it's literally, should I go for a walk? I mean, honestly, any question that is asked of me, I, I do not know the response, but I do know that whatever I choose, it will be the bad one. It's funny, isn't it? You can make a decision and within, mm, I would say, 20 seconds of making that decision, it can suddenly horribly dawn on you that you've made a really bad choice. And, and this is exactly what's happening. Within 20 seconds, it's just like, I know that it's been a disaster. So... Um, Given the car crash of my life, or rather the cycle crash of my life, uh, it got us thinking about times when our decision-making is so poor that we actually forget who we are. Like, for example, when we initiate a conversation on holiday. Oh my God, that's a rookie error. It's like you completely forget that you're not sort of in the supermarket checkout queue and you can have a 20-second conversation and never see that person again. Instead, you're full of those first few days of holiday vim and so you bring your funniest most relaxed charming self to the person in the sun lounge next to you and then you realize that you might actually have to see them and be funny and charming 
for the entirety of your stay. Because everybody is so territorial that if they're on the sun lounger next to you today, they're going to be on the fucking sun lounger next to you for the next seven days. I know, it's like a Greek island tragedy. Yeah. You're basically fucked. And you have to resort to lines like, oh, when you suddenly remember that this is a horrible mistake, let me let you go. But of course, where no one's going anywhere. Yes. Let me let you get back to your book. <laughs> Please. Let me let you have some peace and quiet. Or I'll tell you what I started saying recently. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh my God. What, like when you see someone noticing a sunset or something as you sort of sail past them and hope for God that that doesn't like it start a thing about sunset drinks or something. You just say enjoy and keep moving or you walk past your new friend who isn't a friend and they're having dinner and you go enjoy and keep <laughs> moving because you can no longer even be in the same sort of vicinity as them without having to make some kind of verbal communication with them. Okay, so, so this is a warning as we all prepare to go away. Don't speak to anyone unless it's critical or you know you're le they're leaving in the next hour. And then yes. you could just say bye or enjoy, question mark. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like I tell you what else is that feels like a fantastic idea. It's FaceTime. Do you remember watching Star Trek? Because there were four channels, nothing else on. And thinking that video calling from different planets was like the best thing ever. And, and, and don't you start every FaceTime conversation now with like, yup, this is the best <laughs> idea anyone has Hooray! ever had. Yeah, it's going to be so fun and so hilarious. And for about 20 seconds, well, actually, probably 10 seconds with FaceTime, uh, you think it is. This is this is brilliant. This is like a party where I don't have to get dressed to go out. And then you get that terrible realization that you look weird and you, you sound weird and, and you are weird and you have nothing to say. And also you can't get on with your life secretly because you're being watched. So you start to panic about everything that needs doing. So you just press end and you, pr you pretend that the connection has somehow dropped, even though you are in your own house. And everyone who you're talking to knows that your own house generally has a reasonable connection. So you just blame it on the circumstances. Do you know, I sometimes take calls now with like headset on, like Madonna, like my earphones, so that I can actually do other things and I would no more FaceTime. Anyway, other things that seem like a good idea for about 20 seconds is cooking something new. So you know how we all have all these gorgeous cookbooks and None, we never cook anything from any of them, but we have many gorgeous cookbooks. And you lovingly prepare a list rather than thinking that you're going to wing it. And you order all the new shiny ingredients, which only seem to come in enormous pots. But that's okay, because once you've done it, master it, you're going to do it forever. So it doesn't matter that these ingredients are like 50 quid and you could have ordered a much nicer takeaway for 15. So you line it all up. Oh, all the ch chopping is going to be so therapeutic. And then... You're going to put on an improving podcast or some 90s hip hop. And then 18 seconds in, you notice that it says something about a food processor. And you try and remember where you put the Magimix. And remember that last time you used the Magimix, you swore you'd never use the Magimix again. And you look at all the expensive ingredients winking at you treacherously. And there is still nothing for dinner. There is nothing for dinner. 20 seconds into a halter neck swimsuit. Anyone with big boobs will tell you it's a mistake. Now, I have been a slave to halter neck swimsuits for 30 years because they're flattering, they're good on the boobs, you can hike up the boobs. But who ever thought that getting our necks to carry the weight of a big pair of boobs was anything other than a fucking sadistic, ridiculous idea? <laughs> it's like carrying two enormous bags of flour. It cuts off the circulation to your head. It gives you a headache. It, it creates a terrible red welt around your neck. I am not doing that again, she says. I know I will. I did. I was away a couple of weeks ago and I put on the whole neck swimsuit. You were with me. And I'm I like, this was. is a disaster. I'm taking it off immediately. And the other thing is badly designed in terms of fashion and sadistic 
Oh, Mister! Again, it's high heels. I, I, honestly, I mean, it, it's it's. It, I mean, this is not our first rodeo. Okay, it's not even our second rodeo. But you know, still. So last weekend, I did it. Got all dressed up for a party, believing that tonight would be different. These particular heels would be different. I would be different because we don't want to give up. That's why we don't want heels to be over for us. The extra height, the the elongation. The extra swagger, which in my case has very definitely become a kind of stagger. <laughs> I wore high heels to a party last week, and I still have glass in my foot because they came off after I don't know, probably nineteen seconds. Nineteen seconds, bloody hell! I tell you what else I always think is a good idea for twenty seconds is a roller coaster. Now something has I love roller coasters. Okay, I love them. I I I, I dream about them. Something has happened. So odd for such an anxious person. <laughs> You're quite a physical thrill seeker. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just to like offset the, the mania in your head. Exactly, anyway. the roller coaster going on in my brain. Yeah. Anyway, something has happened that's messed with my centre of gravity, which means that it takes me approximately a year to recover from being on a roller coaster. I mean, I still feel it's like actually going on a boat as well, which is really sad for my super yacht fantasies. But I feel seasick or roller coaster sick. For like days afterwards. Now, I don't have your problem with boats. I just call me Tina Green. I am extremely happy on the boats, but I have always loathed, 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 loathed roller coasters. And about every eight to ten years, I forget how upsetting I find them. And I go on one again. And within easily 20 seconds, I'm filled with, I mean... Such terror and such distress, actually. I find nothing about them thrilling at all. I, I, I feel like I'm going to die. I find the sensations unbelievably... They make me really sad roller coasters. I'm, I almost want to get a tattoo. <laughs> what it says, do not get on this roller coaster. Do not get on this roller coaster. Literal and metaphorical. This is... Do not get on this roller coaster is actually quite a good mantra for life, Annabelle. Stick it on a fucking T-shirt, Em. Fucking hell. Yeah, OK, fine. Anyway, so the other thing that I do, which within 20 seconds I realise is a catastrophic error, is um, go to the self-checkout with a trolley. Well, like a massive full trolley. Yeah. Why would and you do that? Because I think, oh, I could do this, I could do this. I'm such a brilliant multitasker. I'll be in and out in five minutes. I'm so impressively capable. And in fact, I'm an idiot. You forget you're an idiot. I have that. Because it's actually impossible. And I have... And I know this because I've tried it so many times. There is nowhere to put everything. So you start playing a game of sort of grocery bag Jenga where in any second the whole thing is going to topple over. You scan every item and put it in the bagging area and the machine, out of spite, I think, basically refuses to acknowledge it. Which means that the checkout person or that person who deals with all the self-checkout is now just standing behind me. Because they think you're a criminal, as and well as an incompetent sort of moron. It's like having your own personal kind of guard... Um, but not in a good way. And in 20 seconds, you become someone who has never used a checkout, never used a touchscreen, or even never used money. And there's a queue of incandescent people behind you. <laughs> With three items. Yeah. Thinking, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you something else that triggers instant regret. An initial high, an instant <laughs> regret. Never do this, listeners, is buying the smallest size you can fit into. <laughs> so you picture the scene. Oh, my God, it fits. Oh, my God, it's... It, it's a 10, and I, I know I'm a 12. It, 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 it fits. Yeah, yeah, it fits, as long as you, you don't move or try to sit down 
or walk or eat anything, but you, you manage to get the zip up. The zip could, you know, explode at any point, but you've somehow managed to. So you are going to fucking buy it. Come hell or high water, you're going to buy it. This is worse when you order it online and you're so hysterical with joy <laughs> to have fit it into it that you rip the label <gasps> off in a kind of euphoric frenzy and then you realise that you, A, can't return it and you, B, can't get it off. You'll never get it off. I have a very good friend and two weeks ago she called me at about 10.45 at night. She lives around the corner and she was stuck in a dress. Oh my God, the panic. In a muck sweat, stuck in a dress. And I had to go around and, you know, gently and quietly and calmly, I was in that in two minutes, remove her from the dress. Do you remember being in the Topshop changing rooms in Oxford Circus and not being able to get out of the dress that you've put on? I mean, I, I'd rip it to hell. I mean, I don't, and then hang it back on the hanger. And... <laughs> but do you remember when changing rooms were communal? Yes. Yes. I remember the warehouse on Ken High Street. I explained this to my children the other day, they were honestly horrified. Just one big room with lots of women staring at each other and judging each other because it was a less generous time. <sighs> this is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midult. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash midult. Better help, because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. <laughs> do you know what else makes me, sends me into like a terrible, terrible panic, like communal changing rooms or being stuck in a dress, is when you put hand cream on and then you know that it's going to be at least 20 seconds before you can actually do anything. And just... 20 seconds? 90 seconds? (laughs) I remember watching um, movies when I was a kid and and, and a sign of a sort of, you know, middle-aged woman and or um, a sexless, loveless marriage was a woman putting hand cream on in bed and then rubbing it up and making sure that she rubbed it onto her dry elbows. I now put it on in bed because it's the only time you're not going to have to touch anything. Except for, no, you say that, but just at that point, like... Like you put it on, a critical phone call comes, or just any phone call comes, or a terrible intrusive thought, which means that you're going to have to sit and listen to the phone ringing or the intrusive thought ringing around your head, just waiting for the motherfucker to absorb. Too much time is spent these days waiting for motherfuckers to absorb. <laughs> I mean, okay, I don't know if anyone here is, is experimenting slash wedded to hormone gel but i have recently discovered estrogen gel which i am dripping with and testosterone gel and as you wait for it to absorb you get very very worried about touching anybody because you think 
if you touch a man with your estrogeny hands, they'll sort of immediately grow a pair of tits. And if you touch a, a woman or a child with your testosterone-infused, superpower, turbocharged fingers, then they will immediately grow a beard. And Jesus Christ, don't children have enough to worry about? I mean, you and I remember what it was like to be an anxious child, right, Em? Yeah, I mean, okay, so what do you think the signs were that we would turn out to be these adults with anxiety? Oh, uh, well, I mean, there were plenty of them. For example... <laughs> the writing was on the motherfucking wall, I think. Were you the kind of child that collected stickers but stuck all your stickers in a sticker album because you could at no point commit to sticking them onto anything. And God forbid the scratch and sniff stickers should run out or go off. It was the same with new boxes of pencils. You know, God forbid I should ever have defiled one of those pencils with my name written on it. Oh my God, no, those are like precious. Do you know, I don't think I could even stick stickers in a sticker album. I think I just had to keep them still in the cellophane. Uh, yeah, I think what you would do was often stick them in the album still attached to their backing <laughs> so you could change your mind at any point. Yes, exactly. Desperate. Also, I was always, and I'm sure this is a sign, the first to wake up at a sleepover, but I would lie there for hours needing to pee and dying of thirst because I couldn't bear the idea of having to go and make small talk with you know, my friend's mother or anyone else in the house, that is, for that matter. Mm-mm-mm. And um, I remember really believing that if I didn't peel an apple or a tangerine, actually, in one go, in one coil, then terrible things would be rained <laughs> down upon me. Uh, oh also, God. also, oh, my God, the preservation of Walkman batteries, mm. like almost the most important thing in the world, from the moment you put them in. I mean, rewinding or fast-forward felt like you were, like, just basically burning, spanking millions of pounds. Do you remember having stacks of notebooks that you never wrote in? Because oh, it would ruin them. Obviously, I still do. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely was given some very nice blue note cards with Annabelle written on the top by my parents' best friends for my 10th birthday. Oh, my God, I can't believe that I'm admitting to this. And I use one about every five years, and I still have a couple left because I'm so sad about the idea of them being finished oh. and over and gone. That's so, I feel quite emotional listening to that. I'll tell you something else, actually. It also makes me feel quite emotional. Story tapes. Were you the kind of child that had to have a story tape to get you to sleep? Because even aged eight, there was no way you could risk lying there with only your own feelings to keep you company. I, I was the kind of child that lay there listening to the boiler with the, and leaving the cupboard door open because I, I just want, wanted the murderer to just, like, get on with it. Was the murderer hiding behind the boiler? Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, yes. With all his murderous rustlings disguised by the whir of the boiler. Exactly. And I I have a hard relate to that. (laughs) Do you know I've reintroduced story tapes into my life via Audible? Most recently, Map and Lucia, read by Miriam Margulies, which is just heaven. (laughs) Last night, with two fans on. Sounds like Concord is landing in my bedroom at the moment. I mean, the fans were so loud that that Miriam Margulies and the story tape had to be at like a weird banging (laughs) rave volume. (laughs) Because I also had earplugs in. I mean, isn't that a picture of insanity? It's totally... Can you imagine that's like the ultimate mid-alt complaint? Someone someone phoning, knocking on the door saying, can you please turn your Miriam Margolis story <laughs> tape down, please? No, because my fans are so loud and I have earplugs in. I know. Do you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we, we, you and I have always joked about what people's soundtrack sounds like, like what music they're accompanied, and you are actually just accompanied by the sound of a fan. <laughs> Currently. <laughs> it's true. I mean, listen, you and I are both anxious people, but was it normal to truly believe that there were great white sharks in the swimming pool. I know, I literally had to check under the diving board before I like dove off into the pool 
whether or not they nice use of dove by the way thanks (laughs) great quite a nice white sharks in a swimming pool in some fucking landlocked location blindingly full of chlorine no living creature could have survived in great white sharks yeah but you know so and but we're fine given the circumstances circumstances you know we saw a meme recently uh, it was a sign that someone had stuck on a restaurant door saying price increases due to the circumstances. So we, we figured that maybe we should just refer to this period as the circumstances. You know, just fix someone with a gimlet stare and then by way of explanation or in fact by way of swerving any explanation, just say under the circumstances. You can use it in the way you used to use I've got period <laughs> pains on male teachers in the 90s. Because, <laughs> you know, whoever you're talking to, presumably will understand. Listen, we've been around the block a few times. <laughs> These sound sluts. like terrible sluts. Yeah. <laughs> we have been around the block a few times and we have, ne- we have never experienced a time when there have been so many different circumstances. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Doesn't <clears> seem <throat> much point, does that, Em, in listing them all? I mean, no. personal, financial, what, ecological, socioeconomic, cultural, political. It doesn't seem much point in breaking them all down and then having to absorb, more absorbing, more absorbing yeah. absorb the horror understand the nuances and then process the ensuing feelings. So I think maybe the answer is just to sleepwalk through the next year or two and occasionally mutter about the circumstances in ways varying from sort of portentous to oppressively cheerful. (laughs) (laughs) The circumstance too. Oh, the circumstances! (laughs) Yeah, how about those circumstances? It's like a shorthand and we can accompany that phrase, the circumstances, with a sort of sweeping hand gesture. Like when you say to someone... I don't have the energy. And they go, for what? And you just do a sweeping hand gesture for all of it. <laughs> Under the circumstances, what circumstances? Sweeping hand gesture. I have to cancel tonight. Why? Oh, the circumstances. Sweeping hand gesture. Yeah, I, I won't be meeting that deadline after all. Why not? The circumstances. Sweeping hand gesture. <laughs> I need to have sex. I need to not have sex. Ah, oh, okay, any particular reason? The circumstances. Sweeping hand gesture. And if the person you're talking to insists on delving deeper, if they really, really push you on this because I, they truly care, or frankly, because they're one of those terrorist friends who deliberately questions you on things when they sense a vulnerability, just to back you into a corner where you end up being super defensive and feeling and seeming guilty of some crime because you just want to live your life and not every part of your life is their business and available for their scrutiny. And no, they're not allowed to actually live inside your head. Why do we all still have a friend like this? Anyway, the circumstances... <laughs> the circumstances. ...is basically saying, I am currently giving as much of myself as I am able to give, except that. Yeah, it's a good one. And if all else fails then you could take your lead from some luminaries we found on Letters of Note, which, by the way, is genius. You can take your lead from E.B. White, who wrote Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web, who refused an invitation to join the Committee of Arts and Sciences for Eisenhower by saying, I must decline for secret reasons. Mm, secret reasons. I like Harold Pinter's letter to Tom Stoppard. <laughs> about 20 years ago, he wrote... Thank you for your invitation to host a fundraising dinner in the private room of a top London restaurant. I would rather die. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your letter of the 10th of January, wrote Spike Milligan, after being invited to speak at some arty, sciencey thing. I would be useless at this debate, primarily because I have been dead for 24 years now. (laughs) 
Apart from that, he continued, I hate scientists and I hate artists. In fact, I hate everybody, including you. Uh, so do tell them that's why I'm not at the debate. I really like being able to say, I have actually been dead for 12 years now. Yes. But I mean, you know, given the circumstances. It's entirely possible, actually. Um, we looked up a contemporary online etiquette website, such as our kind of devotion to you guys, <laughs> and had lots of polite options for refusing invitations or such like. One of them was, I've made plans with my husband, it suggests. And then if pressed... I'm sorry, we have so little alone time. But then it occurred to Emily and I that I'm not married, so what if I said, I've made plans with myself, sorry, and then if pressed, I'm sorry, but I can't let her down. We have <laughs> so little alone time. I think even married, I could say that, but I have so little alone time as well. Even more probably. And then we also found a brilliant invitation, so, which actually almost made us want to go to a party, unbelievably, um, or throw one, Annabelle. The invitation goes like this. Professor and Mrs. Tolkien request the pleasure of your company to assist them in celebrating the coming of age of their son, 6.30pm onwards, RSVP if not coming. And then at the bottom it says, carriages at midnight, ambulances at 2am, wheelbarrows at 5am and hearses at daybreak. Hearses at daybreak. I mean, we'd done our fair share of daybreak, but now you would need a hearse if I stayed up till daybreak. <laughs> to cart me off into the wide blue yonder. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, we have to go now, guys, because of, um, because of the circumstances. And we're going to take a little break for August. So um, good luck with all your circumstances. And we send you lots of love. And we shall see you on the other side. Which is just September, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Bye! You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. Hi, my name is Kay Adams and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.